welcome to the Cannabis Connection. I'm your host, Christopher Carr. Thank you for tuning in to Santa Cruz Cannabis Talk Radio. We're honored to have you with us. I've been looking forward to this show for many weeks. We have Blair. She is from Venice Beach, California, and went to Otis Art School. Becoming aware of the way textiles are produced, she became interested in agriculture, getting her start on the biodynamic farm on the island of Maui. This experience forever changed her life and solidified her down the path of agriculture. She then apprenticed on a biodynamic farm in Sacramento, Raphael Gardens, located at what was then Rudolf Steiner College. After this apprenticeship, she wanted to try farming on her own and landed in Covalo. Daniel is from Massachusetts, also started farming in Hawaii, landing a job on a lettuce farm on the Big Island. Returning to the mainland, he volunteered on a few different farms in Eugene, Oregon area before starting an apprenticeship at the Live Power Community Farm, a horse-powered biodynamic vegetable CSA located in Covalo. Their paths came together when they met at the farmer's market in Covalo, and from here, they embarked on an agricultural endeavor together, getting married and starting a family. With the help of the Blair's parents, with the help of Blair's parents, they now are responsible for 60 acres consisting of hay fields, a woodlot, and about two acres under cultivation of vegetables and cannabis production. In 2018, they won the Regenerative Farm Award at the Emerald Cup with two other farms. They are currently Sun and Earth and Dragonfly Earth Medicine certified. They had recently dropped their Demeter certification due to extensive paperwork and financial restraints, but still very much practice biodynamics. This year, they will be featured in a documentary featuring two other farms, Green Source Gardens and Bryceland Forest Farm. The film is a journey through a year in the life of these three family farms cultivating cannabis, food, and community in the pursuit of a regenerative future. Biodynamic is one key thing that I'm very excited to discuss. And the, the film, we had Jesse Dodd and Claire on last week, which was Tending the Garden. So it's a wonderful opportunity to kind of have this ongoing conversation and to get to know the farms better. So welcome to the Cannabis Connection Radical Herbs. Oh, let me see here. Um, One second, I'm going to let the engineer bring us on. Welcome to the show. Hello, are you there? So sorry. We had um, a little bit of a different flow this evening. Welcome to the show. Are you there? Keep on going. Very excited to bring on Radical Herbs. We're just getting our levels dialed. Okay. We got a little bit of technical difficulties. All good. We got you on the line. We see you here. And if any callers have any questions regarding biodynamics and, and regenerative agriculture, we'd love to hear your feedback. So you can give us a call here is 831-479-1080. If you have questions throughout the interview, would love to facilitate you and continue this ongoing conversation. Very excited to start. Looks like it's on, right? One key thing is the teachings of Rudolf Steiner, which I'm very excited to hear this spiritual connection of the cosmos and and cannabis and and the farm. Let's see here. Are you there, Blair? Thank you for your patience, folks. We're going to lock this in.
So with Tending the Garden, we've had Bryceland Forest Farm on the show. Green Source Gardens will be on the show next week. Blair, are you there? I am. Can you hear me? Yes, I found you finally. Thank you so much for your patience. We had we had to pull in the set, you know, the 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 reinforcements, the cavalry came and we're all we're all aligned now. Thanks for coming on the show. Yeah, of course. Thank you for having me. And um, um Yeah, go ahead, tell tell the people where you're joining us this evening. Um, yeah, I was just gonna say, uh Daniel unfortunately cannot make it. Um we couldn't find somebody to watch the kids, so he's watching the kids so there's not a bunch of crying and screaming in the background. Um, <laughs> That's great. You got to divide and conquer sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> um, yes, yeah, so I'm joining you from um, Round Valley up in Mendocino County, um, also a town known as Covalo. Um, it's known by Round Valley here by the native tribe to originate this land. Um, and it's a small little town, about 2,000 people. Um, up in eastern um, Mendocino County, and it's a beautiful round valley um, surrounded by the Mendocino National Forest on one side, and um, we have an amazing um, rivers around here and streams and creeks, and we're fortunate to be down on the valley floor and, and have some really awesome agricultural land where we're farming here. Give thanks. Yes. No. And it's been um, congratulations. You guys just had another baby, right? Your your family's growing. And how has that been yeah, with this new new chapter yeah, here? Yeah, family is four now, so that's definitely taken some adjusting and still adjusting of running a farm and a couple different. Um, you know, we're pretty diversified, so doing cannabis and vegetables, and um, and then also some value added products and. Um, we're, it's hay season, so I find that always just when life feels like it couldn't quite get any busier, hay season happens. So we're kind of, that's where we are right now with a seven week old and a, and a three year old. So we're definitely, we're, we're hanging in there and, and making stuff work and dealing with all the challenges of that and, and joys of that and everything in between. So. Excellent. And you had a farmer's market this morning. And so, well, let's just jump right into your, you both have this history of apprenticing and, and this connection in the Hawaiian islands and then, and coming back and, um, becoming more involved with, um, biodynamic farming. And, and can you speak to the, to the novice listener or, or even myself? I've learned quite a bit recently and, and you guys are so articulate and in many ways wonderful ambassadors to this uh, approach, this, these teachings of Rudolf Steiner. I was blessed to be exposed to Waldorf education. I, I went to public school, but my little brother was a student of Rudolf Steiner and went to Waldorf school growing up. And so we were blessed to kind of have some of that in, in, in my upbringing. Um, but I would love to kind of shed light just from the ground floor or even like a 10,000-foot view of who is Rudolf Steiner and what is biodynamic agriculture? Yeah, that's great that you, um, that's really awesome that you're exposed to that. Um, I often find when I tell, try to describe, begin to describe biodynamics, I sometimes ask people if they've heard of Waldorf education because it kind of helps, like if they have, um, give some kind of relation to like who this person was who created it because he, he really created a lot of, really amazing things and really is not very well known at all, um, especially in the United States. And so, yeah, one of the things he created was a, a type of education, which is Waldorf education. He had influence on art, on um, on architecture. Um, there's there's medicine, anthroposophical medicine, um, and then also an, um, a type of performance art and um and so he touched on many things, and sort of it wasn't till the end of his life um, that there were people who were into um, his teachings who reached out to him because they started to see a degradation in their land um, once they started using um, chemical fertilizers and sort of industrial agriculture started to come around, and that was in the early 1900s. And so they kind of really begged him to 
look at agriculture and give some lectures and indications of what they could do. And that was sort of how biodynamic agriculture was was born. And so Steiner really looked at um, the whole farm as a living organism and how to make that farm self-sustaining. And not only the farm as we see it in the land and how we're looking at that, but then also how the plants and the creatures are related to the cosmos because he very much believed that that had a huge influence on the on the on the plants and the animals and the things that we do because the plants are very much they're you know they're rooted in the ground and they don't they can't walk around and go inside and do things like we do and so they're really exposed to we we see very clearly it's the influence of the sun and often, if you're paying really close attention, you can see the influence of the moon, like usually around the full moon, especially this time of year, the weeds will just go and, and the plants and everything have this huge growth spurt. And um, you can see that influence. But he also went beyond that at looking at the influence of the other cosmo, the other celestial beings, the the planets and the influence of the zodiac and um, and those sorts of things. So he, um, but he very much, um, one of the things that he gave indications for and, and to do was um, also based on soil fertility and looking at, he, he gave a lot of like a pictures of to how to look at the farm and the way things grow differently. Like he would say, you look at a plant as an example the way you would see, like, if if it was a human, it would be, like, its organs, it, the head would be in the ground. You would flip a human upside down, and, like, the the roots are the brain, and the rest of, of the body is kind of out in the world. So kind of really looking at, like, how important it is for soil fertility and how everything the plant, a lot of what the plant is reading and taking in is all in the soil and how important soil fertility is. And so compost is really important. And then um, there's different, like, homeopathic preparations that he did. Um, and one, two of the most well-known ones are the horn manure preparations. And so you take the horns of a cow, and in the fall, you would take um, the manure from a cow put them in the horns, and then bury them in the ground for the whole kind of fall, winter, early spring season and dig them up. And then in the spring, um, you have this really rich, beautiful humus material. And you can take that and um, then you would take that and then put it in a bucket or there's different ways of stirring it. But um, one of the easiest kind of practical first-time ways of doing that is you can just take a five-gallon bucket, fill it about halfway, put a handful of this material in, and then you would stir it for an hour um, just using your hands and going one direction, making a vortex, and then taking that and disturbing it, creating chaos, and then stirring it in the other direction and doing that back and forth and back and forth for an hour. And it can be a really kind of like beautiful meditative thing and you really begin to as you go through this process and you the water really begins to get organized and it actually becomes easier and the vortexes form easier and it creates this beautiful substance and you kind of have this meditative process that you do and then you take that and you spray it over the soil like in the springtime or the winter when the soil is exposed and it's wet um, obviously, we never had exposed soil, but it's not like you don't have a ton of vegetative matter growing for it. You know, you can have um, it mulched or cover cropped or something like that. And so you're kind of spraying this compost tea um, over the land that you've spent an hour meditating about your land and your plants. And I think for me and, and for us on this farm, it's not only a process to increase fertility like scientifically um but also um you know mentally and kind of like for us those sorts of things are are also like important we believe they have an influence on on what we're doing in the land and everything too 
and then its counterpart. Or you want to? Do you have a question? Or continue. I love it. I love it. What one thing? I just comment is this uh, spiritual uh, labor of love, a ceremonial ritual uh, approach to aligning this earth church, this this alignment of the energies and we are of nature and kind of getting into that flow and this meditative uh, vortex with the, the cow horn manure. I just, I just, I find it beautiful in, in the reverence piece. It seems laborious at first and, and meticulous maybe, but then similar to other forms of, of ceremony um, in some ways, the intention is really, really special, really important. And it kind of puts the human in alignment with these uh, cycles of the seasons and and manifesting and putting those like prayers up. Um, as, I imagine as you're stirring in that bucket, there's there's some there's some like envisioning and, and visualizing and an imagination component to the season to come. And I'd love to hear about the counterpart, which is probably close because we're coming up to the summer solstice, right? Yeah, that's that's a really beautiful reflection of that. I think that that's totally exactly what it is. And it's not like you know you can do it one time a year or twice a year. It's not like it's going to take up a bunch of your a bunch of your time. But I think it's a really kind of in, important meditative part and spiritual part of of the process of our way of growing and cultivation and stuff. And then yeah, <clears throat> so the counterpart would be in the um, you would take we take quartz crystal and um, actually pound it in this like metal vessel and then take it on. Um, I've never, we've never actually done this one on our own. Um, this year was just to, for a caveat, uh, this year was the first year or this past year was the first year that we kind of did all the preps or a number of the preps on our own, on our property. Um, most of our time, working and making the preparations have been with the group, the um, BDANC, the um, uh, the Biodynamic Association of Northern California. And as a group, they meet quarterly and make preparations together because it's a lot easier to make them in a group and then they, and then you can buy them from the group. And it's a really great way to get an introduction to biodynamics, um, to meet other people who are practicing biodynamics, and it's one of, like, I feel like one of the influential reasons that I wanted to stay in Northern California. Um, and, and the person who I learned from um, that I apprenticed at in Sacramento was one of the main people who started the group and was really knowledgeable about um, the preparations. He's the one, he's the one who kind of holds them and sells them. And so um, it's not like you have to make these things that I'm describing in order to do it you can access them in different ways. There's also the um, uh, Josephine Porter Institute. You can buy preps from. So there's different places you can buy these things that I'm talking about, but I still explain like the process and, and how it's made. So with the quartz crystal, you would break it up into small pieces and then, and then take it and, um, and then it gets into a super, super fine powder by actually taking two pieces of glass and that rubbing the crystal between these two pieces of glass in circular motions, and it creates a super fine powder, and that gets buried in a cow horn over the summer. Um, but we also we use this substance over the summer, and you would do the same process of stirring it. And um, when I described the, the cow manure one, that one you would stir and put on in the evening, the quartz crystal you would stir and put on in the very early morning. And you would want to make sure that you're doing it in, in like some kind of backpack sprayer with a really fine mist and it's a very gentle kind of thing that you're spraying. Whereas the horn manure, you can just take like, we usually just take a five gallon bucket and like some pine branches and, and you do kind of like big droplets out. Um, and the quartz crystal sort of is looked at a way of kind of creating and putting this fine, minuscule homeopathic amount of crystal on the on the plants, and you want to do it to them when you start to see the formation of what you're going to harvest on the plant. So, say for like 
cabbages you would when you start to see sort of the leaves begin to turn inward you would spray it on cabbages um when you start to see some tomato the first green young tomatoes on a plant you would start to spray it on tomatoes and like for us for cannabis we begin to spray it on august 1st um kind of when you begin to see an anthesis the pistils forming and and the beginning of the flowers and so the idea of this is it kind of helps to magnify um, the the cosmic forces of that are up in the sky as kind of like a magnifying glass. And so those are kind of like you have these like earthly cosmic dualities that are happening that are both really important for the plant, and that you're just you're both kind of um, uh, magnifying and helping by both of these um, these processes. And then in biodynamics, too, the cow is this really kind of Im- important um, creature on the farm and kind of has a resemblance and a, um, has these dualities, too. Like, it's a very meditative creature. Um, it ruminates. It You know, so once after they eat, they then um, will then sit and chew their cud. They basically then bring the food back up into their mouth and chew it for a long time and then and then bring it back down. And it's Steiner kind of said that they also that their horns had this connection um, to the cosmos. And even their sinuses go into their horns. And in biodynamics it's really important to have to leave the horns on the cow. Um, the horns that we do have for this process is after after they're butchered. But a lot of the cows you may see around would naturally have horns and they get pulled which is like a really sad thing that happens and so in biodynamics you absolutely have to keep horns on the cows because it's it's an important part of their body and their system um and then you know once they have this meditative process and that all happens then you get this rich beautiful material that we can use for compost and for this horn manure thing and so um yeah that's a little bit more about that. <laughs> I love the connection to the cosmos. I think that's a really fascinating piece here too. It's aligning our garden planet with its celestial spacing and, and patterns and, and the cycles that you know these orbits and these constellations and can we speak a little bit to these planetary bodies, which I know Steiner was articulate about, obviously with farming the sun and we're here on the cannabis connection and we love regenerative and and sun-grown everything produce cannabis uh everything where we're passionate about aligning with nature and kind of building that relationship with the seasons and and that massive fireball in in the sky and that we orbit but also the moon um and some of these beautiful patterns that uh living organisms especially plants like you said earlier they're 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 literally rooted they're they're you know they're stationary and held held on but this planet you know where they are in the field or in in nature but we are on a on a massive uh orbit and and cruising through the cosmos and steiner was pretty pretty intuitive and and had this really beautiful spiritual approach of 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 you know this the science of spiritual is you know spirituality and and I thought it was interesting to learn about the cows too it's like their antennae it's there's a piece of their uh you know keeping their consciousness in the in alignment with the cosmos and like almost like a broadcast kind of like what we're doing right now on the airwaves we have these three massive towers if this radio station was a cow the three towers would be the horns and and getting that signal out to to the universe um but can you speak to the sun and the and the moon and and the importance of of certain certain things that happen on the farm even for novice gardeners you know to think about these two celestial bodies yeah i thought that is like one of the best examples that's a, an amazing analogy for um trying to conceptualize like what a cow is doing and how we kind of see it because, you know, with, with radio towers, we're not seeing these waves moving through the air, but they are, and people are able to hear it from from far away. And, and so I think that's, like, a really amazing analogy to, to try to understand that. And I definitely, 
I see the cow as this like very cosmic yet yet grounded um, creature, and definitely that those horns are like it, its antenna to the cosmos. And so, um, yeah, as far as the uh, as far as the sun and the and the moon and and their cycles, you know, the sun has this. We have the yearly cycle of the sun, which like you know just plays into. The, the seasons that we have and peak growing time and plants like, you know, outdoor grown cannabis is very influenced um, at its flowering time and when that happens. And then, um, you know, very, very light dependent. And many of all the other crops that we grow too are the same way and um, dependent on those hours of light. Like we understand that from, um, like doing light depth, we do light depth, and when we're pulling, we pull tarp. So, in the peak summertime now, when the hours of light are much greater, we're able to um, deprive the plants of light by doing 12 hours of daylight, 12 of dark, and triggering them to uh, triggering them to to flower. And so that's very much um, based upon its its solar relationship to the sun. Um, and then getting a bit more um, finer detail, I would say, kind of, is, you know, then its relationship to uh, plants' relationship to the moon. And that happens, you know, 12, 12 times a year, the way that the, that the moon cycle works. And you would just see, like, we, we start our seeds on, on, on the new moon. And then by the time they crack open, then... And they hit by the by the full moon. They're really like getting their way, <clears throat> you know, really starting to grow. And um, this this woman Maria Toon, um, she developed what you see. A lot of people have seen the planting calendars, and she kind of took Steiner's indications and other things that she experimented with and created the planting calendar and I think that's something that people are quite familiar with and that but that wasn't necessarily something that that Steiner had created um but the way that 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 works is it is very much based upon the moon and where the moon is in relation to the zodiac and it and the zodiac um all the constellations are kind of are divided into um different signs so water earth um <clears throat> fire and air and so and then and then those are related to different parts or growth patterns of the plant so like um fire would be the the fruits air would be flowers water would be leaves and um <clears throat> earth would be roots so as the moon passes through, like a certain zodiac sign, um, like if it once it pa- if it passes through like a leaf sign, um, then it would be a time when you would work on like let if you're growing lettuce, plant some lettuce seeds, cultivate your lettuce seeds, harvest your lettuce seeds, or like for cannabis, you would be paying attention to um, when it passes through a fire sign, and that. And all that is kind of like, it's not like you have to know which one those are. In the planting calendars, it'll say like a leaf day, a fruit day, a, a flower day. And so you can kind of do that. We um, we don't really follow that. Um, sometimes we do for starting seeds. Um, but other than that, I feel like for us, at least, life is too complicated. <laughs> and, um, and there's so much going on that we don't have a chance to really to, to follow that at all. And, um, and in the biodynamic world, world, there are, like, as my teacher used to like to say, that the tunes and the untunes are the people who follow the calendar and don't follow <laughs> the calendar. So it's not like you don't have to, and even as part of the biodynamic certification, Demeter certif- certification, there's nothing in it that talks about the calendar. And so um, it's definitely not like, you don't have to be like, oh, I'm not following biodynamics because I'm not following the calendar. Um, but I definitely think it's worth also just um, looking into and experimenting and, and something I've definitely wanted to, to be more into. But it's, sometimes you just 
you just got to do stuff and not um, kind of be feel like you're beholden to that schedule too. Yeah, I completely understand, and it's just it's challenging sometimes. There's so much work to be done. There's so much to to take care of and to be your mind share can only hold so much especially with the family and especially being part of this amazing uh regenerative community too and in covalo we i can't tell you how many wonderful groups i've had on the show and the history and it's just a very beautiful charmed part of the world that valley is uh very very special and to align and to practice these these wonderful approaches to to agriculture and also just to, to your to your life it's a beautiful way of life and can you speak a little bit to the uh what i love here is is it's not just plants it's a place for animals and to fully express and live into their true being and we have in tending the garden the there's 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 animals involved in that beautiful uh work of art elizabeth drew uh i believe they have the donkey as theirs i'm not looking at the picture right this second but uh can you speak to the the role these these animals play on the farm yeah um yeah in that in that amazing drawing that she did so so talented um yeah she has the the donkey for theirs um, the goat for Bryce Lynn and the cow for us. Oh, that's like so that. perfect because we were talking about, I didn't yeah. even know we were just talking about the cow. Yeah. <laughs> Beautiful. And it's on top yeah. with the cosmos on yeah. top. Yeah. And, um, yeah, she, I feel like she just, she pulled that out and did that so, so beautifully. And, you know, I think animal, it's such a special thing to have animals on the farm and, and such a huge responsibility um, you know, there is no just leaving the farm when you have animals on the farm. Um, and so it's definitely not something to take, take lightly when you take on. Um, that being said, I always like to tell people that there's super simple ways to bring an animal element onto the farm to not necessarily have, have what you think is quote unquote livestock. Um, but you know, in many places we, we we see things we see things growing where we don't have things blooming and like you know maybe it's just grass or something like that where if we begin just in somebody's like home or um small little garden if you begin to plant flowers that bloom and pollinator plants and perennial plants or put in like a birdhouse or you know there's these really cool like um pollinator bee apartments you can make and different things um, that you can just bring an animal element onto your land or to where you live by bringing in insects and bringing in birds and those are all animals and they're you know they're kind of like this this animal element that you can bring around that that need homes and need nurturing especially in our cities and stuff Um, but then you know if we go further like we have you know, we have we have chickens, we have cows, and we have sheep currently on the farm. And they all have different, all their manures that we use, I feel like all definitely all have different qualities to them and, you know, help to create when you're using these different types of manures, help to create a more diverse um, fertility, uh, fertility for the plants and on the land. And the animals just have, like, so much personality and and like we recently we used to keep our chickens kind of cooped up in this in this place and about a couple months ago we ended up just opening the door and we let them kind of roam all around now our house not in our house in our yard and kind of around and it's just so fun to have them and and see what they're see what they do and and yeah so i think having having animals is a really special thing yeah, let them free chicken scratch. Yeah. It's fun. How how wonderful. What a cool shift. Yeah, it's 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 um and one thing I would love to learn um a bit I was recently listening to another friend speak about the the birth of civilization and how the amount of calories put in to to in the hunter gatherer eras when we were so nomadic as people as humans very long ago, 
uh, centuries ago, thousands of years ago. Uh, it wasn't until we like really discovered the fertility of 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 poop and like working with poop and and growing in the birth of agriculture that we had this return on you know how many calories we spend to to produce more calories for for ourselves and for the the tribe and I would love to hear a little bit about compost and compost preparations and this is something very special we spoke a little bit about the horn manure and, and the silica but I would love to hear about other compost uh, preparations and any advice you have for for people looking to do what they can with what they have on site because one key piece about what I've learned from watching you on Instagram and just being a part of this conversation around this amazing film that's going to be coming out, Tending the Garden, is the farm as a living organism and and as the farmers and the family and the community as, as a part of that living organism and how it can take care of itself could be a metaphor for community as well uh with what what's available in front you know around that's this regenerative conversation this process of 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 regenerative lifestyle and um compost i think is a really important thing that some people are still personally i'm speaking about myself i'm still novice at and trying to get better and implement simple things for even our garden for all the gardeners yeah, I mean, compost is such a magical, amazing thing, and I feel like we're, you know, I feel like we're still novices, too. I mean, we're, we, when we love experimenting with it, and it's always like, okay, how is this going to turn out? <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I think you just got to do it and just keep doing it. <clears throat> you know, I feel, I always, I feel so weird when I go to, like, visit my grandma or something, and and like we're putting every these veg you know cooking vegetables or peeling a, something and throwing stuff in the garbage in this plastic bag and I'm like ah oh, it like pains me when I do it it's like I want to bring a bucket with me and bring it all back home um, but uh, you know <clears throat> and say in in saying that like just, it's really easy to compost um, all you need is like basically what you would be producing in your house as far as like when you're prepping food and that sort of thing would be considered like green material and then all you would need to help balance that is some is some brown material so if you have like a tree that drops a lot of leaves in the fall you could rake that and make a pile and keep that to to layer your green material or probably just one bale of straw you could buy would last a really long time to help layer um, layer with the green material, and you're just kind of balancing that like um, more nitrogen kind of green stuff with something more more brown that kind of tones it tones it down, and you just kind of layer those two things. Um, the, the lasagna method. Yeah, and just kind of you just want to. Um, yeah, just just balance that, and um, it can just be done on the ground, like on a pot in a pile. You can get a little container for it, um, but it can be it can be super simple and just something to avoid one more thing going to going to the landfill. Um, but I'll, um, there's other ways as far as like, and then you know once you can do that pile for like six months or something, and then start a new one and let that one finish, and then and then have that go on whatever it can be in pots on the ground landscaping anything um but another really great way i feel like even if people are like growing in smart pots or you know not doing companion planting containers um, yeah sure in containers you can also you can do cover cropping in containers too you know, we it's really good to not have your soil exposed at any time of the year, and cover crop is an amazing um, fertility, and it helps to rotate the crops that you have in there. Um, so you have something different. It creates, it continues to, you have continued um, root growth in there, which feeds the microorganisms, and then that can just be dropped in the in a pot in a container, and some. And, you know, like some straw put on top and then you're just kind of leaving all that growth in there and, and feeding back to the microorganisms. 
Um, you know, you can you can buy compost from from the store. You can if you know somebody, it depends on where you are, but somebody who has animals, a lot of times there's there's people who like have animals and don't know what to do with all the poop and you can um get that and make your own compost and um we we have like a lot of different types of compost that we're making on the farm as far as like what we're doing we we have worm bins um we do that we also um do larger windrows of compost where we're layering manure and straw and leaves and different things um we have where we kind of like uh, have our animals stay during the winter, um, and we're feeding them hay. That's sort of their their manure, and then kind of scraps of hay end up building up, and we're able to take that and get it out with a tractor and make windrows with that to make compost. Um, I know that uh, um, I think that like um, Green Sources takes that material and just puts it directly onto their their beds in the spring which is really awesome too um nice yeah and then this year we started this other new kind of compost that we're super excited about um where in one of our greenhouses we kind of built these long i want to say they're like six by 30 feet basically wood box and just basically put in um different like plant material, wood chips, manure, and built it up all the way to the top. It's about, like, four feet high or something like that. And wow. we did that in the uh, – yeah, we did that in the very early spring. There We have a little video and some stuff about it on our Instagram. And then we were able to then – we actually put a hog panel on top of it because it created – it, it got up to the heat really quickly, and then we were able to put our starts on it and basically had a way to heat our starts in the really early, in the winter, um, really early spring for them without having to use heating mats and use electricity. And so we kind of did this awesome dual-purpose um, kind of thing, and the hope is that in the, in the, in the, um, by next year in the spring, we'll be able to take all that out, use it as potting soil, and then refill them for the following year. And Whoa, so close loop. Very cool. Yeah, it's a very exciting new compost project that we're doing on the farm. I think I found the picture of it's hotbed, hotbed numbers. Yeah. Yeah, using all ingredients from the land, building potting soil, which is so righteous to have that. And then you're you're building soil and you're you're putting all this biology and all this biomass and carbon and heaping and keeping it. And I see Daniel there with like the yeah, it looks like he was scraps or something from from just grasses and things, but I also see flats of of maybe veggies or, or starts that went a little long or something and you just kinda of throw it all yeah. into this hotbed. It's really it's cool. I like this idea a lot. Very neat. Yeah, we got it um, for the idea from this really awesome semi-new book from um, uh, Chelsea Green Publishing, one of our favorite publishers. Such amazing books they have on there um, for regenerative agriculture. And um, it's a wood chip book um, that kind of recently came out, and that was where we got the idea from. And, and I think it's, it's done a lot more in, in Europe and stuff and not so much in the, in the States. I think the, the author of the book was from Europe too. Um, but I do know that, um, that Green Source does, does a version of that for their, um, for their potting soil. I believe that they, they kind of just make a heap in their greenhouse. And, um, I think that doing it in a greenhouse is really awesome too. It really helps in our, in our climates because, if we talk about kind of the influence of this, talking about the influence of the sun, it's often like a bit too cold. Um, the compost, if you're doing it outside, the compost kind of really stops working at a certain point in the late fall and through the winter and won't really start like working again and doing its thing till, till the spring. So by having it in the, in the greenhouse kind of helps, just like it would help grow your vegetables earlier and long earlier in the spring and longer in the fall or winter um the the greenhouse kind of helps with 
maturing the compost as well. Wow, that's nice to know. Yeah, the greenhouse in a way is kind of giving it that perfect sanctuary and and that hot biology i really love that when you it's so many dual purposes it's not only a great place to deposit all this amazing life and and biology and carbon but it's also when it is cold and and one key thing is you know timing and trying to get get starts going at the right time and staying on on a nice schedule uh to have a warm a source of warmth imagine there's some ambient uh, well putting things right on top of it is is plenty for those initial tap roots to really take hold and for the starts to to sprout and get blasting blasting off uh but yeah i love this uh it's neat to see this uh pretty big i'm pretty impressed with you guys it's it's a big hot hot bed and uh i do appreciate nick's and Elizabeth's, yeah, Green Source, they definitely do the big piles in the greenhouse. And, and when it comes time to start germinating and planting seeds, they just bring little pots to the pile and just start scooping them on them and getting it going right there. It's pretty cool. Yeah, it's awesome. That, that's what, what, they, what they do is, is really amazing. I, forgot, I, I think also you wanted me to touch on, I really briefly can just touch on the compost preps. Too. Yes, please, please. Yes, I love um, it. I know we only have like a few minutes left, but um, that was something else that Steiner gave indications for was the compost preparations, which kind of took it's different combinations that took kind of like an animal part in conjunction with um, a plant part to kind of create these um, vitalized um, preparations that you would then add to the compost to help the compost with its um, with its process. And so one example would be um, you take yarrow flowers and you put them in a stag bladder of a, of a deer and, um, and that gets buried in the ground too. And, and then one, another one is um, dandelion in the mesentery of a cow um, and then uh, chamomile in the intestines of a cow. And so, like, you know, that chamomile is very good for our digestion or when you have an upset stomach. So it's going into the intestines, which has a relationship to to that as well. And so all these kind of ha- also have their relationship to um, different um, elements like phosphorus and, and different things that then they help kind of bring, Steiner said, kind of like bring an intelligence to the compost when they're then added. And and all these things we're kind of talking about, when we talk about the influence of the cosmos and, and these different things, that the way that compost preparations work too is is also kind of bringing these my, kind of like microdosing kind of intelligence to to the compost pile to help it along its way for, for its digestion. And you can like a great book that I find um, is a really great introduction to bio, biodynamics is um, Culture and Horticulture um, by, oh, my gosh, I can't remember his name. Uh, it's like Wolf Stoltz or something like that. But anyways, there's a new version that recently came out. And it has it's a really great way to kind of read about the basic ideas behind um, biodynamic agriculture. Um the main book for biodynamic agriculture, which has the lectures that Steiner gave, is is um, is called Agriculture, um, the Agriculture Courses, um, uh, and that's a bit more complicated because the people that he was giving the lectures to already had kind of a deep understanding of anthroposophy and this kind of spiritual science that Steiner had developed. And so it can be challenging for people who don't kind of already have a basis of understanding of Steiner's, Steiner's work. But um, I find that, that that other book is a better kind of first introduction. Yeah, I think that's really well said. And, and one thing that is important that when he gave those lectures, he was speaking to a friendly audience that had been participating and 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 contributing and inspiring ongoing lectures and conversations. And so it, it is it is helpful to orient yourself and build your your knowledge. And and then eventually, when you feel 
really acquainted, you can dive deep because <laughs> it's deep. Yeah. It's deep. It's amazing. Yeah, it is. It can go pretty, pretty deep. Yeah. <laughs> No, I'm so I'm so excited to chat, and I, I think this is a, a very excited exciting uh, opportunity. We're in, in our last couple minutes, and I wanted to give you the 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 last words, and um, I wanted to say thank you and congratulations, and and uh, keep us uh, in mind when whenever you need to get the word out, and uh, maybe we can speak a little bit to the. The film Tending the Garden and just um, any thoughts you have or any calls to action or anything we can do to support um, your farm, your family, your community, and this amazing work of art, the film Tending the Garden. Yeah, oh my gosh, it was such an honor, um, you know, when Claire and Jesse asked us if we wanted wanted to do this and kind of didn't really know what, what where we were going or how it was like, going to all turn out, and um you know, they, they came and would stay with us for like a weekend, like five or six times throughout the year and just kind of filmed us what we were doing day to day, to day. kind of just had to follow us around as we did stuff. And they're just two such amazing people and it was so awesome to just get to know them better as they were staying here. And, you know, they just had these little cameras and got this amazing, beautiful footage. They're both so talented and, um, you know, they'd like go out in the mornings to record bird sounds and and um, had different lenses to get like micro shots and macro shots and uh, a drone and just you know the two other farms that they that they chose are just such amazing beautiful farms with um, beautiful human beings on them and um, listening to to their perspectives and, and their practices on their land is just, is, is so awesome. And I think, you know, the Steiner talks too about the individual individuality of the farm. And I think that the filmmakers really showed that and brought that out too, even though we're all diversified, we're all growing cannabis. We all have doing these regenerative practices. There is such a distinct individuality and, beautiful thing that that has that each of these funds have have created on their land and um the the film is not done with its final editing yet but there's a trailer you can watch and there'll be like short versions that are being that are being shown and they are doing fundraising so we can try to get these out to different film festivals and so if you can there's like hoodies um t-shirts you support, can get support thank you so much yeah <laughs> i'm very yeah. excited and thank you for listening to the cannabis connection i'm your host christopher